Shalom mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family, and we're the mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people with a middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man, getting ready, mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Now, many years ago, I interviewed a couple, Betsy and Chester Kilstra, uh, and they had a biblical healing and deliverance ministry. uh, And it was an amazing ministry. And that was many years ago. But they have learned so much in these last 20-some years uh, that I'm having them on again. As a matter of fact, uh, Betsy and Chester, I have to tell you, I was looking over your background and what God brought both of you through, and you were a bit, uh, th- these are the two thoughts that crossed my mind. The first was, you were a big mess. The second is, everyone is a big mess, including myself, without God's healing. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, Chester, I don't understand how even born-again Christians, if they don't get rid of the junk in their life, can ever get along with anyone. Well, I did a good job of not getting along with hardly anyone. Um, That's probably not totally true. I avoided people, but when I had to be with them, then I was very nice because I didn't want them to see the shame that I, I... I couldn't verbalize that I had shame, but I can look back now and see I was doing my best to control the situation, uh, fearful that they would find out about it. So I was nice on the outside, but on the inside I was very, very leery of other people. I just expected them to, you know, cause me more pain, more hurt. Okay, well, Chester, according to my notes, uh, your father died when you are just two years old. Your mother remarried a couple of times. You never really bonded with your stepfather. Uh, what, what were the basic problems you were dealing with in your life before being a believer and even after being a believer. Yeah. Of course, now we can look back and understand it, especially as the Lord has brought us through the healing process. But um, it, it's clear that I lived my life to uh, avoid other people. Just And I think, the, in fact, my dad died. Somehow my little two-year-old heart um Reason, not that hearts, not that two-year-olds reason, but somehow figured out that oops, life is dangerous. The important people in my life are going to leave me. My dad left me. Don't know if my mother's going to leave me or not. And uh, and I basically decided I had to take care of myself uh, at the tender age of two. So I just began to do that. I just avoided other people and played by myself and uh, was a real loner. Uh, and, but yet you were dealing with such things as um, uh, rejection, uh, feeling constantly like an outsider, anger. Now, you probably couldn't have identified it, but uh, you were dealing with those things after being a believer. And, you know, there's somehow Christians think you, you say a little prayer with Billy— and uh, everything is 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 different. Yes, you're going to heaven, but everything's not different. No, no, everything is not different. In fact, the uh, 
the reality is that it's like our legal position shifts from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. And that's uh, that's a really, really important shift as we become uh, members of God's family. <clears throat> but um, not necessarily everything somebody is wounded with gets taken care of. We've probably all heard the miracle stories of uh, the town alcoholic or whatever suddenly being set free when he uh, received the Lord. But um, uh, And those things are awesome. But even the town alcoholic has other issues he's still got to deal with. And um, it's like our spirit gets uh, positioned and the incorruptible seed that's talked about in the book of Peter uh, gets planted in our heart. But the soul and all of its woundings, we have many scriptures like, uh, I like Second Corinthians 7, 1, where Paul says to, uh, has just finished reciting a number of promises, mostly God's going to call us his sons and daughters. And he says, having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. And, of course, he's talking to spirit-filled Christians at Corinth. And uh, and the, he still sees there's defilement in the flesh and the spirit that needs to be taken care of. And he gives a reason or a purpose. So that uh, but, but, you know, with all this mess, you, you still had enough in you to become a Ph.D. in nuclear engineering and science. Uh, Betsy, yeah. uh, you were adopted. That opens up a whole new uh, yeah. uh, area of problems. What were you dealing with mostly, Betsy? Well, I was dealing with um, a tremendous fear of death. Every night when I went to bed, I felt that I was going to die, and I would wake up in this total panic. And so I had this terror and panic. I was dealing with um, feeling like I was a mistake and would never belong and was not welcome. And I was dealing with, um, by the time I was four or five, a lot of sexual fantasies and lust. And so I just had some major, major things. Um, coming out of the fact that my mother was a 16-year-old when she conceived me, that um, her relationship with her boyfriend broke up at that time, and her father had actually taken her to get an abortion. And that's where the supernatural first started in my life, because as she was sitting in the car outside of the doctor's office waiting for me to be aborted, a voice filled the car and said, don't do it. Two wrongs, don't make a right. And she knew that was God speaking to her. And she locked the door and refused to have the abortion. So so you're saying, and I, and I understand this is true, a baby in the womb gets this almost spirit of rejection when the mother's even contemplating an abortion. Exactly. Uh, and so I carried that deep sense of rejection, and it came out in the belief that no matter how hard I try, I'll never be as good as other people, and I'll always be on the outside. And I think a lot of people carry that, um, as we have as we have found in ministry, that deep sense of abandonment. And so, um, and so, yes, I was a wonderful mess. <laughs> but but you know I don't know how anyone could help but be a mess. <laughs> I, I, it to me the greatest miracle in the world 
is taking someone like myself uh, from a Jewish background that uh, that didn't know, as it says in the Bible, my left hand from my right hand, uh, and and straightening me out. Uh, I, I, but are you finding that when people take uh, your course, your do your CDs, or read your books, uh, that what happened to to you and uh, Chester happens to them? We've had people that told us they read our books as a devotional and read a little bit each day and then said, um, Yeshua, would you come and meet me and minister to my life or help my life come, help? And that many times that's led to wonderful encounters with the, uh, with the Lord. Okay. Uh, now, when I interviewed you many years ago, you had gone through your personal journey and God has shown you how to help, how you were helped to help other people. Uh, but things are getting easier for you now. You're, you're learning shortcuts for people to be free. Uh, tell me a bit about uh, you were in the back seat of a van uh, and you, were, uh, uh, you had a uh, visitation from the Lord, Chester. Yeah, this was still early on when God was uh, getting our attention in a major way. <clears throat> and uh, obviously God in his infinite wisdom had decided it was time for us to uh, know him better and time to become uh, useful uh, servants and sons and daughters at the same time. So we're, we've been told we're supposed to pray. We're starting to go to church and um, and we're driving over to the coast and uh, to have a day at the beach, and I'm laying in the back of the van trying to pray, as I was told I was supposed to. And I didn't have any idea what prayer was, but I did know enough that it was supposed to be communication with God. And so I'm doing whatever I'm doing, and suddenly I get this incredible invasion by the Father God of this universe. He just, He just comes into me and presents himself to me and things take place that I have no idea except I started wailing and it's like these deep deep griefs were coming out of me and looking back all I can surmise is that the father of the universe came and took care of the father issues that I had in an amazing way and just revealed himself to me and it it just settled so many things it's like you know, so many people struggle. They feel they have to earn their way with God and pray enough and read the Bible enough. And all those are good things to do. We're God's son and daughter anyhow once we receive him. And He, that position's not going to change. His love of us isn't going to change. Sure, he's got good things for us to do, uh, but but our relationship doesn't depend on that. And, uh, and he... uh, well, you know what I'm excited about? We put together a kit of your best products, uh, your book, Biblical Healing and Deliverance, three CDs uh, called True Identity, dealing with uh, three big problems that most yeah. Christians deal with, shame, yeah. fear, and control. And then perhaps one of the best parts of it is the prayer card where you deal with uh, four areas of someone's life. You call it an integrated approach. Uh, and when they deal with these four areas, and you actually have the prayer with the blank for them to put in for their personal situation, uh, sins of the fathers, 
and the resulting curses they have, ungodly beliefs, how to get rid of them, soul and spirit hurts, uh, demonic oppression. And by the time someone finishes this course, uh, they're going to understand how to be free. And not only that, they're going to have lasting results. They're going to have, for the first time, the answers to the question why their prayers are not being answered and what is the real source of their problem. For instance, uh, you may have financial problems. You may have uh, problems with sickness. You may feel rejected. You may feel like a victim. You may uh, have marital problems, children problems, addictions. I mean, every area of your life, we're making this entire package available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. On yesterday's broadcast, uh, we found out that your father died when you were two, your mother remarried, and you had problems with with uh, your stepfathers, and you felt rejection, you felt like an outsider. But one day, you had a visitation from God, which changed everything, uh, and, and, and the walls that you had— uh, that unfortunately, now to protect yourself, not from just people, but there were walls between you and God. Tell me what you felt when you had this God encounter and the walls were removed. Well, that's a, that's probably a big question. Um, it it took a little while just to recover from the intensity. The uh, of the encounter, it's like, what had happened to me? I was not used to these deep wailings coming out of the inside of me. And Betsy, uh, wise woman that she is, she was driving. She just kept driving. Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, don't interfere, just don't ask questions. And she just kept quiet. I don't know. If my wife started wailing in the back seat, I'd yeah. pull over to the side and <laughs> maybe call 911. Betsy, how did you do that? <laughs> Yeah, what's the matter with you? Yeah. What's going on? But she just kept quiet, kept driving. And this must have gone on for about 10 minutes is our best estimate. But I just ended up with a knowing that I know that I know that I know that I'm uh, a beloved of the Father. I'm a son of the Most High God, and nothing I can do to change that. Now, uh, sure. All right, there are many men and women that are listening to us right now, and God has streamlined what you're doing to such a degree. Uh, Just give me a couple ideas right now of uh, a man or woman that's listening to us right now that have father issues or even mother issues. Uh, What advice would you give them? And these are so common, Sid. We just see them over and over again because, you know, our parents are imperfect people and they they got the same kind of stuff coming at them as we have coming at us. Yeah, you know, I think the, the it's bad news, but the good news is everyone listening to us right now that thinks your family is a big mess and that everyone else is perfect, wrong. Everyone's family is a big mess until you get this type of help. But go ahead. We like to joke and say we all think our families are normal, and we are. We're normally dysfunctional. It just is a matter of how much. So anyway, um, what the Lord showed us as time went on and and we uh, ended up in Bible college, one day it sort of like all came together. 
that we all have these same four sources of problems in our lives, and Jesus has taken care of all of them when he went to the cross. He's provided a way, but the reason we have to receive them, it's it's like the provision is there, but we have to appropriate. God has given us what we need, but we have to receive it by faith. And as you know, Sid, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We learn about God's promises. That's why you've got a radio and TV ministry, so you can share God's Word and get it out there. And then our faith grows, and we say, oh, well, if they can do that for Ch- God can do that for Chester and Betsy, he can do that for me. And that's totally true. God is happy to deal with the, the four sources in everybody's life. So I'll just name them real quick. Is that what you'd like me to do? Uh, yes, but my, my specific question is, someone that has a father issue, what is the first thing you tell them to do? Okay, well, they still go through these four okay. uh, issues, the four sources of all our problems, because the father and the mother had the ancestral sins and curses functioning in their lives, and this is a curse comes out of the second commandment when we have idolatry in our in our lives. And uh, we like to say idolatry is anything that we put our trust in, so it's not just wooden and stone statues. It's whatever we put our trust in. So our ancestors have done that, and so their tendency to sin gets passed down to us, their children. And so that's the first source of our problems. And we don't blame our ancestors because, as I said, they were trapped just like we are. But in our case, faith arises because God told us, I have a way out of this. Uh, Give me an example of some of the sins of the fathers uh, that have resulted in curses. We're talking about what father and mother issues would be uh, the abandonment, which Adam and Eve, of course, uh, started in our family line um, as they were disobedient toward God, uh, rebelled, and in a sense abandoned God uh, by their disobedience. Um, but all of us experience abandonment because the human race is now wounded. So that's our main father-mother issue, uh, but they're probably struggling with an area we call shame, fear, control uh, as well. And so they control us, trying to keep their shame covered, and then we get mad and hurt because of being controlled. So that's why we have father-mother and issues. And, you know, the rebellious teenager is such an example of that, and how we as parents just don't know how to talk to our children. And, and when the children uh, play out our problems, we get twice as mad, uh, because, and we don't even realize they're just imitating what we're doing. Yep. And and it's so common. We make judgments against our parents. Like, I don't ever treat my children the way you treated me, or something like that. And um, and, and you know what I found? When people make those judgments, they end up doing the same thing. Exactly. And they hate it. They they say, why am I doing this? I don't want to be doing this. And yet here I am doing it. I'm hollering at my kids just like my mother hollered at me. And that's the, it's a tangled mess of ancestral sins and curses, as we call it, coming out of the second commandment. The belief system that we have, that we form from the wounds and stuff growing up in our family. Uh, Give me a couple of, you call it ungodly beliefs. Uh, Give me a couple examples of ungodly beliefs. Betsy's got a couple here. Yeah, Sid, if we're thinking especially about um, 
broken families and and people who have yeah. felt rejected by their father or their mother. Uh, a typical example would be, I will always be unlovable. Um, that deep rejection would come out in that ungodly belief. And then another one might be, I will always hate my parents. Um, so they might be still carrying that anger and bitterness towards their parents. So there are a whole variety of ungodly beliefs. Probably the core one, though, is my parents are not capable of taking care of me or parenting me, and I have to do it myself. And that is so common among all of us. We just set ourselves up to be loners. All right. Now, the third area that you talk about and you have prayers for are soul and spirit hurts. Um, Give me some examples of that. Um, Well, recently we were working with a um, man who felt um, actually was a pastor, and he just felt very, very separated from God. And he had felt very separated and rejected by his own father. And um, as we simply ask Holy Spirit, show him a place where you want to heal, he went back to a place where his father, he was trying desperately to communicate something with his father, and his father was totally preoccupied and wasn't listening and wasn't interested. And then as he asked Jesus, would you come and be there with me, in this situation, um, Yeshua just began to minister to his heart and say, you are lovable. I do care. You are my beloved son. I will always listen to you. And then we did another thing, Sid. Which which healed his heart. Which healed his heart. Huge impact. And we find it so much easier to change your belief system once your heart has been healed. Yeah. Uh, you find that when people go through these four uh, steps of this integrated approach, uh, that their prayers are answered and their uh, hearing God improves? We do find that their hearing God improves. And sometimes we have to get some things out of the way in the process, like generational unbelief and that kind of thing. And sometimes demonic oppression, sometimes unforgiveness. But as we go through the different areas and the major hindrances are cleared out of the way, people feel, know that they're hearing God so much better. Many times they come out of the session saying, you know, I just feel like I've been born again, again. Uh, You told me on uh, Monday, uh, Betsy Kilstra, uh, that... Uh, your, your biological mother considered an abortion, and uh, you didn't even know this, but it affected your life. You dealt with fear of dying. You thought you were a mistake. You never understand why these things were going on with you. Uh, you had a failed marriage, two children from that. But one day, God showed you the cause of your inner turmoil. Tell me about that. Well, I would love to tell you about it. Um, It happened one day in my living room with a a very godly woman friend who had come to visit, and she said to me, "Um, Betsy, I feel like God just wants to speak to you. He has something he wants to do in your life. 
Well, I did not know that God spoke to us, and I didn't know he wanted to do things in our personal lives. I knew he did things kind of worldwide and universally, but personal was a whole new thought to me. And I didn't know anything about this whole arena of God healing our hearts. But because I trusted this woman, I said, well, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And she said, well, just close your eyes and just say, Jesus, you just come and show me whatever you want to show me. And so sitting right there on my floor, I I did that and I said that. And it was like I saw a moving picture screen in the back of my mind, um, which I'd never experienced before. And I saw Jesus walk into this room where a little baby girl had just been born. And I thought, well, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Why on earth am I seeing this? And then I saw him walk over to this little girl and pick her up, this brand new little one. And he looked at her with all the love that anyone could possibly have. And he just began to speak his heart for her. And he said, you know, I have waited for you. I love you with an everlasting love. I have such wonderful plans for you. I can't tell you about all of them right now, but they will unfold in my timing. And I was confused about why I was seeing this. And then all of a sudden, I knew that that little baby girl was me. And I knew that the very God of the universe had come to welcome me into life and into the world where when I was born in the salvation shelter for unwed women, um, there was no one to welcome me. And I now knew that I was welcome, that I had a place, that he had given me a place of belonging, just as he wants to do for each one of us. What about these thoughts that you had, these reoccurring thoughts of fear of dying, thought you were a mistake, uh, things like that? Uh, Just the dread and the insecurity and the self-doubt that you had. Uh, Do you deal with those things today? I do not deal with those things today, and I'm so thankful that I don't. I think the whole thing... um, It was interesting, after that wonderful encounter where Jesus came to welcome me, I knew that I knew that I knew that I wasn't a mistake, that I was his plan and chosen one. Um, And later I met my birth mother, and and she said to me on the phone when I first talked to her, she said, I want you to know I've prayed for you every day of your life, and I've loved you so much and want two parents for you. And then besides that, after that encounter with the Lord, Scripture began to just jump out at me. It began to become real to me, Scriptures I had ignored in the past. Yeah, you know what you're telling me? There was a block, a degree of a block in your relationship with God. Even though you were going to go to heaven, even though you were going to love God with all of your heart, the uh, your your whole life, there was a block. You know, there was uh, a lot of that block was removed right then in the encounter with Yeshua. But there was another really significant experience I want to share with you because I continued to have some of that fear of death until my mid Um, 30s, no, even into my 40s, 
Um, and one day I was at, in Bible college and I was registering for the course. And the registrar looked up at me and said, Lady, if you ever want to get rid of that spirit, that demonic spirit of the fear of death, I know how to help you. Well, I was so embarrassed that that would be evident to her, and I didn't quite understand, but I knew I had struggled desperately all my life with this fear, this gripping panic about death. And so I went, my husband and I went prayerfully to her, and she just stood. We did some repentance, some breaking generational sins, and she and her husband were there praying for us, and they had a word of knowledge about generational sins and death, and then they came against, in the name of Yeshua, came against that spirit of the fear of death, commanded that thing to leave, and I choked and coughed and felt it leave, and I went home, and I have never, ever, in 30-something years since that time, I've never experienced that fear. And you know, for a lot of Christians, they don't know the reality of deliverance. And uh, Chester Kilstra, you said something to me before we went on the air, that deliverance is easy if you get the healing in these integrated four areas that you deal with. Uh, comment on that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, <clears throat> you've heard it said the devil is a legalist, and actually so is God. And uh, God puts his word out. And so as long as there are legal rights into our lives, uh, we have these problems. And these four sources are from which come all of our problems, our ancestral sins and curses, <clears throat> where the... Uh, curse of the second commandment is the iniquity of the fathers will be visited to the children for three or four generations. And it's a family curse. And as each generation enters into it, the curse sort of, we look at it as bouncing, bounces on down to the next generation. And so that gives the demons legal right. In fact, there are family demons. They're called familiar spirits that just pass down generation after generation. And so by dealing with the family sins and curses, and uh, and Jesus made a way for us to do that, and it's on the ministry card that you've been talking about, um, that eliminates that, that one of the four legal doors. And then the ungodly beliefs we have, the lies we believe, believe like mine, that I was an abandoned, rejected person, and it was not safe to be around other folks. Every time we believe a lie, we're actually in agreement with the father of lies, and we all know who that is. And that gives another open door, a legal access into our lives. And then the wounds of our heart, which come out of our dysfunctional families and our friends, so-called friends, and our growing up, and then even in adult life, there are many uh, disappointments and wounds in life. Uh, out of those... We sin uh, sin against other people. You know, we talk about having a tender spot or a, um, how we somehow give access. Uh, and, and so the devil uses other people to poke into our tender areas, and then we sin against them. We get mad, we yell, we holler, we do nasty things. So all three of those areas provide more legal rights. So as we deal with them... Then we can deal with the fourth area, which is the demonic, 
it's easy to cast them out if we take away their legal rights first. Now, you had a problem with anger. How'd you get rid of that? Yeah. Well, I didn't know it was a demon at the time, but we went to, uh, and, and it was more than a demon. It was all four areas. But we went to this couple, and uh, that's when we had our first experience in being uh, having demons removed from influencing us. And uh, they had me forgive, and they had a sort of a more simple version of what we do now because they didn't have the revelation. God just continued to expand. But basically, we took back some of the legal ground, and then in their authority, they commanded demons of anger to leave me. And, uh, you know, it wasn't very dramatic. Neither Betsy and I had major manifestations. We just sort of yawned and burped a little bit. But my life was changed. Thereafter, I never again went into what I'll call an uncontrolled rage. Uh, you know, I am so excited that it, it's wonderful that the two of you got free. But God showed you and gave, revealed these keys, and you're finding more streamlined ways of doing it and setting so many people free. There are hundreds of churches that are using their, the Kilsters material. I want to get their book into your hands as soon as possible, the Biblical Healing and uh, Deliverance book, the three CDs on dealing with shame, fear, and control, the four integrated prayers where you'll actually pray it on a prayer card, and we're going to make all three resources by the Kilsters available for a gift of $40. Uh, and I'm, I have to tell you, uh, Betsy and Chester, I am amazed of how God has used your experiences and is making it so easy for people, once they see these keys, to be set free. It's got to give you a lot of satisfaction. Yes, it does. It truly does. It's given us a passion, Sid, um, when we realize how easy God's ways are for us. I'll tell you what. Hold that thought. We'll pick up here on tomorrow's broadcast. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. My guests, Betsy and Chester Kilstra, were just like you. They were born again. They loved God with all their heart, but there were blockages that were just, and they didn't even know where they came from. And so God supernaturally began revealing keys to them. And over the years, they so streamlined this. But what I'm curious about, Betsy and Chester Kilstra, is how did you originally get the revelation for teaching on identity? Yes, it was an amazing thing. We had actually been ministering now for several years using the integrated approach, seeing tremendous uh, changes in people's lives, and one day we were ministering this woman who was particularly bound up, and um, and we were getting ready to do the deliverance. We'd done the first three areas, and we were ready to uh, remove demons. and um, And I say to her, uh, "We see a real powerful combination here of shame." and of fear, and of control, and we don't really know how they're working together, and yet it's clear that they are, to really keep you trapped. And she looks at me with this sort of innocent face, says, well, how do they work together? And 
my first thought was, lady, I just told you, I don't know. Why are you asking me? And then the next thing I heard come out of my mouth was the explanation of how they work together. And I quickly turned to Betsy and said, write that down. I think God just showed us something. But basically, through abandonment, the devil's able to bring into our lives the the questioning of who am I and what's the matter with me and why am I different from other people? Like my different was being, you know, a, a little kid with no father, and uh, and all the victim that came with that. So, or, or it could have been an absent father and mother, would have had the same results, I believe. Yes, we call it emotional abandonment. Someone grows up in a family where they've literally got a father and a mother, but there's no no connection. They're really on their own. Explain to me what what just define shame fear and control yeah well it is an identity issue as you started out it shame says there's something the matter with me um we use the phrase it's it says to us i you are only it always talks in first person i am uniquely and fatally flawed i'm unique i'm the only one like this in the whole world and fatal, meaning I can't do anything about it. And, and you know what? People keep these as secrets. They think they're the only ones with these problems. And and uh, I heard someone say once, our secrets keep us sick. Yeah, true, because how can our parents understand? I'm the only one like this in the whole world. And, of course, the little kid doesn't know their parents have the same issue, you know, and they're struggling with it. So it's a lie of the enemy to keep us isolated from each other, and I must say it works quite well. Um, so that sort of shame, uniquely and fatally flawed, it's about who I am as a person. And we like to contrast that with guilt because people tend to use the two words synonymously, but guilt is— Oh, I thought we Jewish people had, had the uh, corner on the market with guilt. Have you ever heard of Jewish guilt? <laughs> We yes, ministered to it, Sid, and many many people. Um, but uh, guilt is, you know, I did something wrong. Where shame is, I am wrong. It's an identity. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, being humans, that God has designed for a relationship first with Him and then with each other. Um, the fear gives is given place. Then, like, what if people find out? that I'm uniquely and fatally flawed. What if they find out I'm different from everybody and I got all these problems? And we've found it doesn't matter what the difference is. You can have red hair and everybody else has black or vice versa. It doesn't make any difference what the difference is. If there is a difference, shame can be given a place. So the fear rises up and says, what if they find out I'll lose all my relationships, nobody will accept me. And so we go into control and give it place to control our situation. And when we started out on Monday, you were talking about the walls I had erected. That was part of my control system to keep from being hurt more. We put walls up so we don't have to interact with other people or they don't see who we really are. And we paint a happy face on the outside of the wall and say, this is who I really am. You know, we go to church. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Of course, there's no real time to get into it and we go into church, but it's like we mask wear a mask and the control. We're, we're actors on a stage. Actors on a stage and control can take lots of different different uh, forms. 
a huge number of variety of forms, but it's all shame, all fear, all control. Um, like I know a woman who would invite the family over, but she would put name cards out and be very careful not to have anybody sit next to each other who could get into a fight or who might be angry at each other because then she would be a failed hostess and, uh, you know, and not be protecting her family. So control can be what we call nice control where you're protecting other people from each other uh, or it can be aggressive, mean control or it can be passive and turn inward and uh, keep a person from even engaging in life because the fear of of doing something wrong or being their inadequacies being exposed. Uh, people that say, I have a fear of speaking in public, they could have tremendous gifts of teaching by God, but they're so sabotaged, they'll never be able to walk into their gifting. Yeah, amen. And it's... Uh, we say we need to get healed so we can fulfill the destiny that God's got before us. Now, you talk a lot about ungodly uh, beliefs. Tell me a bit about Tim. Okay, Tim is uh, in our chapter on ungodly beliefs, and uh, he was quite an interesting person. Let's see, he's got a word on this. Mm, well, this was a young man who... We met when he had just had a, a cocaine overdose, and he had been um, gay and was trying to come. Still was gay. He was still gay. He had HIV. He was HIV positive, and um, a lot of a lot of ungodly beliefs about just hating himself and that he was trapped and that he would never get free and that his life was just finished. And this is really a, an amazing story. Um, as we just uh, felt like the Lord wanted us to just lay our hands on his shoulder and pray in the Holy Spirit for him, the Lord came and changed his identity. And he opened his eyes and he began to weep and he said, for the first time in my life, I feel like a man. Now, after that happened, his ungodly beliefs about, um, you know, I hate myself, I'm trapped, etc. He had financial issues, yeah, too. financial he issues. He didn't think God was going to take care of him. That God wouldn't take care of him. And those beliefs changed uh, in that encounter. And as we um, confronted him and said, now you've held all these beliefs, he repented of those, and then he just said, God, what do you want me to believe and the Lord gave him the truth um, about himself, his life, his circumstances. And a very interesting thing about this man, Tim, we went to see him when he was dying of AIDS, and he was in a home for AIDS patients. And um, he said to us, because I know who Yeshua is, I am going to declare who he is every day of my life that I have left and that was about 20 years ago. <laughs> what happened was little by little, God just healed him. And he's still alive, and we still hear from him. So it was just not only God, is he aligned himself with God's truth and changed his belief system 
God's physical healing took place in his life as well. And that's what I was just going to say. Uh, You're finding people, when they take care of these four areas, which you call an integrated approach, uh, the sins of the fathers and the curses, the ungodly beliefs, the soul or spirit hurts, and the demonic oppression, when they take care of that, they get physically healed. Like, tell me about the woman uh, with a tumor that had a curse. Okay. This was a woman in her early 40s who had two teenage children, and she had a disease called von Hippel-Lindau disease. She had tumors in her cerebellum and in her left eye, and um, she was losing her balance. She had had an aunt that had already died of this disease, and it was fatal. It was a generational disease. It ran in her family, and she was already thinking, what are my teenage children going to do without me because I'll be dead in a few years? And as she went through this, when they broke the generational sins and curses, she began to change. She began to feel different. And then um, when she got to the end, she realized that she wasn't um, feeling the same things that she had been feeling in her body and that her whereas she had been leaning way over to one side, now she was beginning to stand up straight. And she went back to the doctor, and the tumors were gone. And in her eyes, now the only thing is a tiny bit of scar tissue. And her mom, who wasn't a Christian, sent her a Christmas. This was right before Christmas. And her mom, who wasn't a Christian, wrote her a card and said, You are a miracle. This is just amazing. And so we have seen when these areas are taken care of that God, it's so much easier for the healing that God always wants to give us to actually for us to receive it. This is an answer to your prayer because I have Betsy and Chester Kilstra who were a mess and they're open and transparent about it. And you find out that you're not the only one that's a mess on planet Earth that's a spirit-filled believer, Uh, that uh, you're typical. But God doesn't want you to be a typical mess. God wants you to fulfill your destiny. So, uh, Chester Kilstra, tell me uh, just a brief summary of what happens to people uh, that take your courses. Yeah, well, what the Lord showed us was a revelation of four ministry sources from which all our problems come. And those weren't new in themselves to the body of Christ, but the need to minister in an integrated way to all four. And we refer to them sometimes as the four doors or the four legal grounds, but comes out of uh, uh, Genesis 4, 7, and 8 when God says to Cain, you know, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to have you or control you. And the implication was, don't let it. But, of course, Cain did. But So the first source of our problems, we call it the context of our lives, it comes out of the second commandment, where the iniquities of the fathers are visited down or passed on down to the children for three or four generations. And um, so here we are. We inherit what the 30 people ahead of us have passed down to us. Um, 
And so the ancestral sins is one of it. And that sort of sets the... You know, on a logical basis, my logical mind says we should not have to deal uh, with all of those generational people. I mean, I can't even go back more than a few generations in my life. And so there's no way I'm going to know all the generational uh, sins that my uh, ancestors dealt with. That's right. So that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We both uh, we both observe what's going on in our lives and we our extended family, but we also ask the Holy Spirit, what are the roots? Yeah, you know, you made a statement. You say that God sees man in terms of families and generations. We don't think in those terms. That's right. That's uh, so obvious uh, as we read the scripture. So anyway, that's the first open door, sets us up. And then the uh, third open door is we get wounded because all our families are dysfunctional or we're dysfunctional or our friends that we have, we we just, our hearts get wounded. We get rejected, we get abandoned, uh, we get victimized, on and on and on. The list is quite long. Uh, but I'm trying to summarize, so I'm not going to go through the whole list. Uh, and out of our hurt hearts, though, then we, uh, fascinating thing, the human brain has to make sense or understand what's going on. And so we try to figure out, why are these things happening to me? And anytime we decide, well, this is happening to me because, and that because is a, a lie out of the pit of hell, then we've just come into agreement with the kingdom of darkness. And as I said about my lies, I had believed by my dad dying and rejecting, I thought I was rejected, was that uh, no one wants to be with me. The important people in my life will leave me and abandon me. Uh, I'm all alone. I have to take care of myself. And on in that vein, a whole bunch of victim, orphan-type thinking lies. And unfortunately, as I said, every lie is in agreement with the kingdom of darkness with the father's lie. And so these three open doors of our wounded heart, our messed up thinking, which is, by the way, Paul says we have to get our minds renewed in Romans 12, too. They just set up the fourth door, which is demonic oppression, where we give legal access for the demons to come after us. And God showed us we need to deal with all four of these areas in a very interrelated, integrated way if we really want deep and lasting healing. And we are seeing that over and over, and I've seen it for over 20 years. So. Okay. Uh, now, there's some, there is something that is literally epidemic in our society. Uh, the institution of marriage. It, it's like it, it's in an, another few years, if things keep, keep going the way they are, uh, it won't even exist. And even in Christian families, uh, it's, I'm amazed at the number of divorces there are. And, 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 and they don't want it, but it's like because they know what the Bible says about divorce, but, they, but, but it's happening. And, the, and then the wounding that happened to the children of a divorce— uh, have you been able to help people that are on the verge of divorce? Oh, yes. It's so much fun to help them. We have a lot of times um, couples come to us and they will just say, this is our last step before the divorce court. So they've been helped by the books and the materials, and then that gives them hope that they actually come and have somebody lead them through a prayer time that they will, um, that maybe their marriage can be saved but a particular story I'd like to share with you is a um, 
as of a little girl who was eight years old, and her mother decided, her mother had read the materials and listened to the CDs, and her mother decided to bring this child because the little girl was saying, Mommy, I just don't want to live anymore. Mommy, I just, I don't have any desire to live. And what had happened to this little girl is she had been so, totally traumatized by the fighting that her parents had done, screaming at each other, hitting each other, before they actually got the divorce. And the little girl would run into her closet and close the door, put her clothes over her head so she didn't have to hear the screaming and fighting. And then when her parents got divorced, somehow she felt it was her fault. If she had just been a better little girl, this wouldn't have happened. And so she was carrying all of this pain and guilt. So when she came for... So, so she, she was dealing with shame, too. She thought she was responsible for her parents' divorce. Yeah. What was the matter with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was dealing with the whole shame and fear, and she was traumatized by the parents fighting. And so when the Lord came to meet her, she saw herself in the closet where she had, which had been her hiding place, where she had listened to her parents fighting. And Jesus came um, as a very bright light at first. That's what she saw. And then she saw him come, and she leaned against his chest, and she just began to give him all her pain and her guilt and her sadness and her eight-year-old words for trauma. And the Lord just took it took all of that out of her heart, and she began to live again, and she told her mom, I want to live again. That was the beginning of her healing journey. Yeah, you know, I I just keep—it's almost overwhelming to me, Betsy and Chester, uh, the the problems— Every human on this earth has. It's got to be the most rewarding thing in the world because God not only set the two of you free, but he's given you keys to set other people free. And over the years, you've streamlined these keys. Uh, tell, me, tell me about the history of your book, Biblical Healing and Deliverance. Well, it's, uh, it's uh, original form. Uh, Restoring the Foundations, which is we call our larger book, was uh, written back in 94. We had been teaching for several years now, well, and, um, and we were ministering to this large ministry on the Gulf Coast of Florida. They had invited us in for a year to uh, minister all their leadership, and they liked what happened so much that they asked if they could host a conference and uh, have us lead it. And that was our first uh, conference, and it was amazing. We thought, well, did anybody really want to come? We weren't totally free of shame yet at that point. <laughs> and um, and we had over 250 people come, but we wanted them to have a, a takeaway. And so we wrote the first version of the book and showed how these four areas are there and how they interrelate and how to get free of them. And... Uh, and it was just a wonderful conference, and people were very grateful. And then uh, in the next couple of years, we finished the book and got it into a good form. And then a, a publisher liked it, but he said, this big book's too big. Uh, can you reduce its size so we can take it into the bookstore? And that's where biblical healing and ministry well, it's so simple, and because of what you've learned over all of these years. How many years have you been uh, 
practicing this? Well, uh, we're well over 25 years now, although we like to time it from our official, our first official going to a church and ministering to leadership and uh, raising up ministry teams. And we call that when they paid us to do it. That was when we were officially in the ministry, Sid. And uh, so that's been since 1990. Okay. Now, people are still bound up after being Christians for so many years, and that's why you have your uh, three-CD series, True Identity, which deals with shame, fear, and control, so they don't have to be bound up. The book we've been talking about, Biblical Healing and Deliverance, and the prayer card, which has these four integrated prayers, which... uh, I mean, you've made it so simple. I mean, you guys have come a long way, uh, Betsy and Chester. But I'll tell you what, I think the problems are so compounded with with Christians today more than any generation that has ever lived. We're making this entire kit available for a gift of $40. Hundreds of churches are using this all over the world. It's the Shabbat broadcast. Let me pray for you. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord is smiling upon you right now. The Lord is gifting you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body right now in the name that is above every name. Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. Yivarech HaKadunai Ve'yishmarecha Yo'er Adunai Panevelecha V'chonecha to hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural!, Visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina. 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime 1 800 447 2697. For all other calls, the number is 704 943 6500. That's 704 943 6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S I D R O T H. Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.